Hey guys, just to kickstart this episode, so like I will mention over the course of this episode, I really don't like interrupting my podcasts with my coaching plugs, so I'm just going to get it out of the way for the beginning. If you like my content, value my opinion, and you're intrigued by my methods for fat loss and muscle building, and if you're interested in working together with me, then check out the show description for all the information about how you can reach me, find me, and apply for coaching. And that's pretty much all I want to say. This is an unconventional episode, and I just really felt like for this particular one, putting in that plug in the middle of it is just really kind of weird. So with that, let's get on with the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. Today, I have on Joffrey Verity Schofield. Uh, Jeff, uh, how are you doing? And thank you for coming on. Yeah, doing really well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so today we will have a bit of an unconventional episode. So we will talk about some YouTube drama, some controversy, coaching, YouTubing, coaching pricing, things like that. But first of all, Jeff, uh, some of my listeners might not know who you are. So could you just give us a brief background about who you are, what you do, and um, yeah, things like that? Yeah, that's sort of an open-ended question. But yeah, um, I sort of have only been in the fitness industry uh, about like three years, I would say. Uh, Originally, I just, I started lifting like six, about six or seven years ago. Um, And it was just, you know, a hobby, a passion, basically. Um, I was injured a lot when I was running. And so I just sort of switched into lifting as a sort of logical progression from that. And you know, people started noticing I was getting results and they were asking me lots of questions. And so, you know, eventually I just sort of got tired of asking or answering all these questions. And so I, I you know, wrote, wrote a Word document with, you know, just a bunch of good advice. And, you know, this Word document just kept getting longer and longer until it was legit a book. <laughs> um, and I would just send this to people for free. Like they would say, okay, like, wow, you've been getting really good results. You know, like, what are your secrets? Like, how are you doing this? And, you know, I would just sort of send them this this document, mostly just because I was kind of lazy. And, you know, it's tough answering questions that you've already answered a million times. Um, so I just would send them this for free. And then um, I was sort of like between jobs here in China. I was originally an English teacher, and then I was into the blockchain industry for a little while. And then I was between jobs. And I just started writing on Quora.com, um, mostly about fitness stuff. And that really, really took off. Um, by now, I have like 80-something million views there. Um, so it's it's really you know gotten pretty insane. Um, and then I sort of started YouTube about this time last year, maybe uh, around March of last year. And you know, just making videos. They were, they were really basic at first. I mean, just me talking to the camera, essentially. You know, no, no editing, not really good at speaking, no polish, nothing, no flow, just sort of me walking back and forth down a road with cars in the background, just, you know, looking back at my old content, it was, the content was okay, but just the delivery and then, you know, the overall production value, everything like that was really, really low, really, really bad. Um, but, you know, I just sort of slowly grew the channel, grew the tr- channel from there. And then, yeah, I guess sort of here we are. And it's been pretty gradual you know, just, you know, subscribers coming in from Quora, coming in from just a few from search results and everything. And it's, yeah, now it's up to around 20, low 20s, 21, 22, something like that. Yeah, so 89 million views. That's, uh, that's pretty nuts. I actually used to write on Quora for a short while, because I've heard that it's a good way of growing your following. So 
for a short while, I was actually quite diligent with it. I just pulled up my old account and I'm seeing 1.5 million views. That's yeah, nice. that's actually pretty good yeah. considering that I didn't ride there for almost three years at this point. Honestly, I stopped with that whole thing because I just found it to be a bit overwhelming because it seemed like anything I do is almost a drop in the ocean. It was really hard to see whether it's going to amount to anything. So, you know, sometimes I would write these really long articles with pictures and yeah. elaborate details and everything. And some of them were so good that I was like, man, I could actually use this as a standalone blog post or Facebook write-up or something. And then I would put in all that work and then I would see that on Quora it would have like shit for views, basically, no upvotes, barely any engagement. So I just decided to focus more on YouTube. Of course, it's also hard to grow there, but there at least when you make a video and even 50 people watch that video, then at least you can see that, okay, 50 people came here and watched my video. And then there will always be at least some comments, some likes or something. So it's at least a bit more gratifying in that sense, but then I guess you found Quora to be more uh, gratifying than I did. Sort of, yeah. So actually that sort of <laughs> resonates with me a lot um, because the Quora is a weird place because the engagement rate on the whole is pretty low. Like I've seen, you know, posts that get 10,000 views and they have no upvotes, they have no comments, nothing. And so, you know, and I think there's a lot of bot traffic and the way they count views maybe it's more, it's closer to an impression rather than a full view. You know, my engagement rate on Quora, even though it's very, very high for Quora, it's a lot lower than it would be on Instagram or on YouTube, um, just because people are sort of scrolling through the site. And so they might scroll through your post and it counts as a read, as a view, but, you know, they're not actually sort of spending a lot of time with that content. Um, so I think it's, it's sort of different. Plus, I'm not entirely sure. Like I, I throw around the 80 million views thing but I usually don't throw it around very much because I think a lot of them are just like, maybe not necessarily fake, but it's not the same as having that number of views on a different platform for sure. Um, plus like yeah. conversions are definitely not as easy as some some other platforms. Like if you have, um, you know, 10,000 followers on YouTube, you, know, you can legit make a living from that if you have, you know, a very, very good fan base. Um, but like on Quora, eh, maybe not, like it just doesn't convert quite as well. Yeah, the tricky thing with Quora is that, because Quora is a really good place. I was just explaining this to someone the other day who hasn't even heard about Quora before, that it's much better than some of these earlier Q&A sites like Yahoo Answers or some of these, because even if you ask the most trivial, simple, stupid question, even then you will get at least one long, elaborated, interesting answer from someone. But the trouble is that on YouTube, for example, if you see a good video from someone, then I will at least usually go and check out their other videos. Like, okay, I like this guy. What else does he have to say? Yeah. That's how I came across your work. For example, I saw one of your videos and then I went on to check out your other ones. But on Quora, if I see a really good answer from someone on some question, usually I won't click on their profile and check like, oh, cool. This was a good answer. Did they answer something else as well? Yeah. You know? So, um, 
But yeah, what I wanted to ask is when people reach out to you for coaching, for example, did you run any kind of analytics and check where the people come from? Do they mainly come from YouTube or Quora or Instagram? Yeah, so it's... Um, I actually do have that as one of the questions in my questionnaire. Um, it's a 40 question questionnaire. And I think one of the last ones is like, how did you find out about my services? Like I'm not good at marketing, but I think it's just a good thing to know where your traffic is coming from on a general basis. You know, a year ago, it was 95% Quora or more. Um, and it slowly shifted to more YouTube. Um, because right now I just spend a lot more time and effort on YouTube. When I first started on Quora, I was writing 10 or 12 hours a day. Holy shit. So it, it was, there was no YouTube. There was nothing else. It was just straight up fucking, or, I can guess, right? Yeah. 10 or 12 hours just hammering out writing per day. Um, and then I, I've sort of, I don't write as much there anymore. And my answers, they don't have as much sort of research or to be frank, effort put in as before, just because I'm, I'm sort of involved with a lot of other tasks and it doesn't provide as much return as, as other stuff that I do. Um, so I, I you know, might, might write one or two answers a day, whereas before it would be like every answer was 10 times as long and I would write 10 or 15 answers per day. Um, so I've sort of like moved away from the platform as a whole and thus, you know, a lot more of my traffic comes from YouTube and then a little bit from Instagram, but but not that much. I would say it's, it's you know, 60 or 70 percent YouTube at the moment and it'll probably go up from there. Yeah, well, I, so I have to ask... Um... This is something that uh, we sometimes discuss on this podcast. Like, how did you not go insane from writing 12, 10 to 12 hours a day about things that were probably fairly similar in nature? So I'm guessing you answered a bunch of questions about, you know, like, how do I grow my arms bigger? How do I lose fat? Um, <laughs> can I eat bread on a diet? Like, things like that. Like, you know, because the tricky thing about content production is um, just uh, keeping it... I guess just not going crazy from saying the same things over and over again. <laughs> and YouTube is, I guess, pretty good in that sense because like you can find different ways to make it interesting for yourself and you can kind of find some new angles on things that you're you're lighting things from. And you're like, you're not answering questions, so you kind of just decide what you're going to make a video on. But uh, yeah, like how how was that not mind-numbing? Or if, if it was, how did you cope with that? <laughs> Uh, it wasn't really mind numbing. Like I've, I've, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, I, maybe it's the coffee. I don't know, but I, I just sort of have the ability to put out a lot of work and just focus really intently for a long time. Like if someone puts in an eight hour work for most people, that's like two hours of work a day. It's like two or three hours. Like they take breaks and they go to the bathroom and they go out and, and smoke. And like, there's like, it's not really an eight hour work day for, for a lot of people, not for everyone, of course, but for a lot of people, um, just from like being in the corporate world and, and observing a lot of people, most people, they're not like intently focused on their job most of the time. Um, whereas, you know, I just, if I'm interested in something, I'll, I'll, I'll look at a screen for four hours straight, you know, I'll just, <laughs> I'll, I'll have no problem, you know, working as hard as possible for, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a day, no problem. I was watching a, a Jordan Peterson podcast the other day. Actually, it was like a month ago. And he said something like, I get up at eight and I work as hard and intently and as efficiently as possible until 10. And someone was like, he only works two hours a day. Yeah, yeah. I saw that too. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to say, that comment. <laughs> but I know exactly what he meant. You know, I have a lot of respect for that because... A lot of people were like, yeah, it's, oh, he's two hours. Like, 
what a what a lazy fuck but no he's 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 working like without food like i usually eat one or two meals a day just because i'm not hungry in the morning and i just i focus better when i have like I'm not distracted with food. And so I'll just get up and just start working. And, you know, I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient and I'm always looking to optimize whatever I do. And it's not just like working. It's always, it's just working to work better as well. And then also like I'm interested in everything I do. Um, If I don't, when it comes to a video or an answer or anything like that, if I'm not interested in what I'm doing, I don't do it. I just, (laughs) I don't, I don't want to waste the time on doing stuff like that I'm not really interested in. You know, I get, I get tons of like, video suggestions or answer requests and if it's not something where i i am really interested and curious in the answer and like i know how to answer it or i'm i'm actually interested in the process of finding out how to answer the question i'm just like no no just not for me and so i think you know as a content creator you have to find that balance between creating content that you're interested in making but then also in you know that other people are interested in as well because if you only create content that you are interested in and you're just blinded and you're just you're sort of narcissistic and you're just really selfish with your content production, well then no one's going to watch you because like it'll be very clear that you're only creating content for yourself. Like if your if your channel, you know, starts to be more about you and more about your life and a lot of vlogs and a lot of, you know, my workouts and me look what i did my progressions my physique check-in you know i think for a lot of people you know they find that as sort of like a turnoff on the other hand if you start creating content only for other people then it's easy to get burnt out because you're not you don't really have that passion for i mean you might sometimes if there's an overlap between what you want and what your audience wants but you know if you're always just sort of being drawn by your audience i think that's how a lot of youtubers get burnt out because they they sort of they don't really they're not really interested interested in what they're doing they're just doing it for views and stuff yeah man and the tricky thing with youtube especially is um you know at this point i would say that i figured out the youtube game like i understand what generates views and what makes someone blow up so and there's a number of ways to do it so that's the good thing about it at least is that there is not only one way to crack the code so very frequent uploads it seems like that still works the second option is just super high quality production so basically turning each video into a mini movie so like a jeff nippard would be a good example for that the third option is being super entertaining. So maybe your videos are not the most informative. It's not the highest quality production, but you just have a great personality and it's very entertaining. So an example for that would be Vitruvian Physique. I'm sure you know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so are his videos the most informative to me? No. Like he will never say at this point anything that I don't already know. Are his videos the highest quality? They're pretty high quality. It doesn't even come close to someone like a Jeff Nipper, but they're pretty good. But he just has a really good personality that I enjoy. You know, he has the kind of humor that I enjoy. And whenever I see him uploading a video, I usually click on it because I know that I will be entertained. And then there's, of course, the fourth option is just a lot of drama and controversy and we know plenty of examples for that one. So <laughs> yeah. there's a number of ways of cracking the code. And the funny thing is that one of the most common things I hear from people, and I'm very honored to hear that, is 
dude, you deserve so many more subscribers. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, the funny thing is that there was a time when I used to think the same thing. So when I was struggling to get even over like 2000 subscribers, I was kind of having the same mindset that, yeah, I do deserve more. Honestly, at this point, being at 12, 13,000 subscribers, I no longer think that. I pretty much think that I get what I deserve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really don't think I deserve that many more subscribers because I understand the rules of YouTube. I understand the game. And I know it fully well that I'm not playing according to those rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my thumbnails are not super great. My titles are not super clickbaity. There is no drama in my videos. I think my videos are informative and I provide a lot of value, or at least I try to, but there is nothing spectacular happening in my videos. Many times there is not even stock footages, videos, images, and things like that. I just try to provide as much value with the things that I'm saying as I can. But I know that it's not the type of content that will make for hundreds of thousands of subscribers. So I think at this point, you know, 12, 13,000 subs, that's pretty much as good as it gets. And then just very, very slow, gradual growth over time. So um, anyway, any input on that? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I completely understand and I actually completely agree and I, I would say it's not a bad thing you know it just depends on sort of what you want if you have a small channel but it's like a really really good subscriber base um I mean things are completely different like I can make a living you know part of it's living in China and the cost of living is low so I can keep my prices low so everyone is happy with the prices so demand is fine etc and I don't have to charge you know two hundred dollars for an ebook or a thousand dollars for a custom plan that I outsource to someone who is making fifteen dollars an hour that kind of shit but you know being a smaller channel isn't all that bad you know when people you know trolls come on my channel they're like you only have 20k subs or before when i was like you only have 3k subs or 5k subs like I, that didn't really insult me because i see so many big channels that are just absolute dog shit you know they have you know a million plus subscribers and you know they sold out or they've just or you have these dead channels where they have multi-million subscribers and they're getting, you know, a thousand or, or less <laughs> views per video because they just, you know, they got a bunch of subs earlier from from clickbait, whatever. And so like, it, I think getting views isn't that hard, but are they quality views? Are they quality people? Are you actually building a community? Are you actually sending, you know, a good message? And, you know, some people in the industry, you know, they've, they've blown up, but they're not, I mean, they might sustain it, but they have to change the business model because growing is not the same as like sustaining a community. And yeah, I completely agree with the factors about, you know, who grows basically. Um, and it's it's not a tough sort of nut to crack. The, the, the code is pretty easy. Um, it's just, you know, have really clickbait titles, thumbnails, you know, antagonize a bunch of people. And I think that's part of the reason why some people think that, you know, me calling out bullshit is just for clout. It's just for the, the attention. But it's absolutely not in terms of like my primary goal. My primary goal is to call out the bullshit. Absolutely. And these people are just like, you're just, you just want attention. Like you're just jealous of these bigger channels because they can only think in terms of subs. They can't think of in terms of like integrity or truth or the message or anything like that. It's just views. It's just subscribers, money. I've even heard, and this is just absolutely absurd in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he's doing spews for you for views, 
you know, he's really uh, doing clickbait, but he's just trying to get money. So it's okay. What? Like trying to get money is makes it okay or even makes it better. And, you know, some people were like, yeah, like this guy, he's just trying to get money. And I'll never hate on someone trying to get money. What kind of bullshit mentality is that? I mean, it's just this kind of predatory marketing. It, it really is is ridiculous. And so, you know, it, I'm getting worked up right now just talking about it. So, you know, imagine when I open this email and it, it's just like, you need to buy this plan or you will fail in your, your diet and your training. I mean, fuck off. It's just, I don't even know where that accent came from, but it really just pisses me off. And that's why I made the video. And that's why that video has the tone that it has because it's, it's just, it's predatory and it, and it pisses me off. And it's not like, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy the video got attention, but not for me because it reached more people and because, you know, you know, Greg released, um, this video, the YouTube video that was basically an advertisement for these thousand dollar coaching plans. And he got wrecked. I don't think he got much business from that. And good, because it looks, it's a terrible cash grab. It just, I mean, it's a really, really bad look. And so, you know, bringing attention to that situation, I don't have any regrets for that. Even if the strike wasn't removed, I wouldn't have any regrets for that because a strike sucks. Yeah. But, you know, if that just protects one person from flushing a thousand dollars down the toilet, you know, and maybe it's a good plan, but still it's a thousand dollars for a custom plan. I mean, that's, that's just so away from industry standard that, you know, I don't want to throw the word scam out there, but it's just like, it's clearly financially driven, and it doesn't have your best interest at heart. And there's just no way to back up that kind of price. And so, you know, when I, when I call that kind of stuff out, whether whether it's, you know, Vshred doing or anyone, um, it, it's really just to do a service to the community. Um, and if my channel grows, fine. If it doesn't grow, fine. Like I'm not financially driven anyway. And, you know, I, I made enough as a teacher, and I was making 2000 US dollars per month as a teacher here in China. And when I started here as a teacher, I was making like closer to $1,000 per month. And you know, now I make significantly more than that. I work significantly more, you know, I, I, I used to work 10 hours per week. Now I work, you know, 70, 80, probably. Um, and so, you know, it, it's not it's not for the, like to drum up demand for my coaching. It's not to, you know, do any of that. Um, it's really just to, you know, I smell bullshit. And I tell everyone, you know, here, look, there's some bullshit. Don't step in it. That's what it's about, really. Yeah. So a uh, couple of things. So you mentioned a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. And now I don't know which one to go with at first. Uh, oh, sorry. So the thing that you said about you not needing a lot of subscribers to have a viable business or just get a lot of value out of being a content creator. Honestly, that's exactly why I'm not eager to play the YouTube game because I fully believe in the 1,000 true fans model. So if you have 1,000 people or 2,000 people following you that are willing to, in some shape or form, give you $100 a year, whether that's in ebook sales or coaching or whatever, I mean, you basically have a viable business. So... That's why I legitimately don't care if I ever reach 100,000 subs or a million subs. I actually don't yeah. want to reach a million subs because I don't actually want to become YouTube famous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like YouTube famous people get into all kinds of weird shit all the time. Yeah. Like Greg Doucette, for example. Yeah, he just passed a million. Yeah. <laughs> and 
of course, he benefits from that greatly, but I would say he's also paying the price. Like, he's involved in some new drama every week, basically. As long as you have, you know, 10, 20,000 subscribers, something like that, you will have a relatively peaceful life as a content creator and as a business owner. There are exceptions to the rule. So, a Jeff Nippard, for example, I think most people like him. There are not many people. Of course, there is the occasional one or two dickheads that are trying to tear him down. Who could those be, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, for the most part, I think he is uh, enjoying the peaceful, quiet life of a content creator who would only have five to 10,000 subscribers. Or I think an Omar Isaf is kind of in a similar category in that regard. The other thing I wanted to mention is YouTube is kind of frustrating, is that even though I said I understand the game and the rules, sometimes it's it's still just unpredictable. So I have videos, honestly, from three years ago, which I'm still to this day very proud of. So much so that like, I will send it to people who reach out to me with certain questions. Like, hey, have you seen this video? I made this two or three years ago and I still think it's valid. Like, I'm actually really proud of them. And some of those videos never got over 5,000 views over the years. And just last year, I put out a video which was, honestly, I wouldn't even say it's in my top 20 best videos. The title was, Why Are You Still Not Making Gains? So the title was kind of clickbaity. The thumbnail was decent, sort of eye-catching, but nothing too spectacular. And that video, relative to my channel and how many views I normally get, it just blew up. Like, it reached over 12,000 views in a matter of days, which for me is a lot. My typical video views amount to something like one, two, three, four thousand views. And 4,000 views would be good. And so that video blew up, and it really wasn't that good. I don't even think it was one of my better videos. And then some of those that I think provide a lot of value and are really good, those those just never got any traction. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's just kind of frustrating. Yeah, the, the trouble is um, YouTube doesn't actually have the capacity to determine what quality content is, and they probably never will. They, they essentially just go through the click-through rate and the watch time. That's about it. And your click-through rate is going to be thumbnail title and literally nothing else because that's all you can see before you click on a video. So, and then the watch time, you know, that, that might be somewhat in terms of the quality of the video, but it's also, you know, just... You, you could have, you know, something that is not actually quality. It's just very watchable, you know, like someone yelling at the, at the camera or there, if there's like drama between two people, like that'll get really good watch time. But it, it's, I mean, there's no use in that besides, you know, calling out the bullshit. But, you know, a lot of these back and forth dramas, they're literally useless. Like there's nothing to be gained. Occasionally, one of them might try to slip in some educational stuff, but it's going to be so much less informationally dense than just informational content because you have to deal with the bullshit and there's like all, you know, he said, she said kind of stuff. So, you know, in terms of like educational content, YouTube, I'm not gonna say it's bad for fitness content because there is a lot of good stuff out there. But in terms of what the algorithm likes, you know, quote unquote likes, um, it can't figure out like, what is actually useful. And I think this is partly human nature. Like the algorithm is just click through 
and then watch time. And so part of it is just human nature. People just click on drama stuff. And, you know, some people, they've noticed this and they just, they put, you know, people's names in 80% of their videos. So you look, you scroll through their page and, you know, there's a name in, in 80% or perhaps 90% of their titles for a reason. And then, you know, on the thumbnail, it'll have like pictures of people's faces, which always get more clicks. Um, and it's just always drama based. And this can grow your channel really well. But again, it doesn't actually result in quality viewers. You know, my, my viewers are, are amazing. Holy shit. Those people are fucking savages. Like, especially the past three, four, five days. Damn. There, there are some, some, some dedicated people like, I mean, just reading through, you know, G shreds or, or Greg's page. I mean, he really got messed up. You know, there's a reason why he apologized. I mean, I appreciate the apology. Um, but I think everyone should know it was driven by the backlash. And so, you know, I'm completely happy being 20k subs if those 20k subs are, are complete badasses, you know. Um, so it's it's like, yeah, like, why would you want to be bigger? Like, when people are like, you're, you'll be 100k before before the end of the year. I'm like, yeah, I mean, fine. All right. We'll see. Like, I'm really just focused on the content rather than the growth. Because if you focus too much on the growth, by definition, the content goes to shit, you know, um, and not, not every channel with over 100k is bad. But like, you know, I don't I don't see a much of a correlation between like, huge channel, good information, small channel, bad information, you know, if anything, it's the opposite, again, with a few exceptions. Uh, notably Nippard, like, I would say Jeff Nippard's the only channel with over a million subscribers where I can watch one of his videos and like expect to learn something and expect to like have it some kind of expected to have some kind of level of nuance where I actually find it to be educational as well as entertaining. You know, every other mainstream channel, they sort of like they don't have to, but they choose to either dumb things down or like go have a bunch of infographics or, or that kind of thing, or just go the entertainment route. Um, so yeah, there's just most good channels tend to fall into sort of like 500k to 100k. And then there's still like a ton of good channels that are pretty small as well. So I think it's really messed up when people are like, you know, look at you, like you only have 20k subs, of course, you're jealous, like, of course, you're trying to grow your channel, because that's all they they care about. Um, because probably they're following, you know, people who are obsessed with the numbers. And, you know, therefore, it's sort of by extension, they expect everyone else to be obsessed with the numbers. But that's just not the case. Yeah, it's definitely the case that not all views and likes are created equal. So I mean, just an easy example, all these girls and guys on Instagram who are super, super hot, they have these amazing bodies and they reach, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, no problem in a heartbeat. But how useful is it in terms of actually developing a community and a customer base? Eh, you know, like that's a little bit trickier. And, you know, like you said, I don't care about gaining new subscribers on YouTube. I want my existing subscribers to over time be kind of recycled and be turned into higher quality subscribers that are there for the right reasons. They are not there for entertainment. They are not there because I made a video where I criticize someone. They are there because they resonated with the messages that I'm trying to share and I'm able to provide real value to them. But anyways, to... Um, kind of transition into one of our topics today. So your whole G-Shred drama. So a 60-second recap for people. You made a video criticizing one of Greg Doucette's 
custom plans or a coaching plan that he gave to a client and you gave your opinion and then Greg copyright striked the video, even though according to the rules of YouTube, there was nothing that could be considered as, as plagiarizing and um, you responded to that video and then it kind of started a bit of a drama on YouTube. So first of all, is your video now back on YouTube and is the copyright strike removed? Yep. Yep. It's back. Um, they were pretty, pretty fast about undoing the strike. And then I, I decided to blur the, uh, the training plans anyway. So my, my main critique, uh, a few people actually had reached out to me in the, in the few days before the video, um, you know, talking about the plans that they had had from his coaching and, you know, just their experiences on the diet, etc. And then I got this email about, you know, this thousand dollar coaching. And again, I was like, I mean, if you, if it was his own coaching, not that big a deal, because I understand how insanely busy he is. Like we, we've, we've exchanged words and, you know, there's no doubt that he's a really, really busy person. And so obviously he can charge whatever he wants. And obviously he can charge whatever he wants for an outsourced plan as well. But to only drop the plan, you know, 50% and still have them be a thousand US dollars, you know, that that's not really right. And, you know, he has freedom of, uh, you know, free markets, he can charge whatever he wants, but I have freedom of speech and I am free to criticize that. There was actually a comment a little while ago on my YouTube um, on an old video where I'm talking about how I am, you know, a little bit right leaning politically. And he was like, well, you know, you're against free markets. Isn't that like on the left? And I'm like, no, I said repeatedly, he can charge whatever he wants. It's just my right to criticize him for that greedy cash grab, um, especially when he's outsourcing it to, you know, other people, um, specifically other people. And I've seen, you know, job wanted ads for $15 an hour uh, remotely, which is, I mean, about minimum wage in Canada. So like, Okay, you're paying people minimum wage. And it also said like, no certifications, no training needed, no experience, just like an interest in health and fitness. <laughs> okay, well, hmm, you're charging $1,000, which is like five or 10 times what most coaches charge. And then you're just outsourcing them to some guy, basically, like who knows who it's not even a team you assembled, we don't even know the team, you know, if it was a team, um, that would still be a ridiculous price. But you know, at least I could sort of go into the specifics of their credentials or of their experience. But it's just like no one knows this team. So you know, how can you guarantee the quality of these? Yeah. Um, so you know, the, the plans are just ridiculously priced, no matter how how you cut it. And I think even if I hadn't made the video, and then he struck it, I think there would still be a significant pushback um, just from like the marketing. And he has this guy who tried the plan for two weeks and lost fat and like lost weight. Okay, well, two weeks is not really a plan. You know, it's not like a, a 10 week thing or a 12 week thing or, or a half a year thing. That's that's two weeks. Like you can't really assess a plan in two weeks. And then like he was saying like, look at the guy's happy smile. Look how happy he like he changed his life in, in two weeks. And then like the other half of the video was yelling at me and oh man, the, uh, the comment section was a mess. It was really, it was really brutal. Um, and then, you know, a few hours later he, he released the video saying, you know, he apologized and I accept his apology, you know, fully. I'm one of the most for forgiving people I know. Um, like I could get in a knife fight with someone and then it's like, they're like, oh, sorry, man, I cut off your arm. And I'd be like, it's all right. No worries, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, I accept his apology in full it's 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 the right thing to do and it's not easy like i'm sure i'm absolutely sure it was not easy to do 
So yeah, it's, it's still appreciated. Yeah. So two things. One is the apology video of Greg. Yeah, it was a nice thing, but like I will agree with you. I have to be a bit cynical and think that the only reason he did that is because he could see the whole uprise against him sort of escalating. Like yeah. More and more people started speaking up against him. Some people with smaller channels, but I've seen one guy with like 80,000 subs also kind of making his point of like what a shitty move that was from Greg. And I think he saw that like, okay, if, if this continues like this and someone like a more plates, more dates, you know, with his 500,000 subs. Yeah. If he starts speaking up against me, like, that could really hurt me. So, you know what, let's just cut it off here and make that apology video. But um, the interesting thing is that I looked through the comment section under his video, and, like, 90% of the comments were like, oh, my God, Coach Greg, like, you have so much integrity. You're so amazing for apologizing. And... <laughs> That just reminded me of um, Gladiator. I'm sure you've seen that movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so everybody in Gladiator at one point is a Maximus fanboy. Everybody loves Maximus the Gladiator, and everybody hates the Caesar, Commodus. Yeah. And then at one point, Maximus refuses to execute one of his opponents in the arena, which is what the crowd wanted. So everybody wants Maximus to kill the guy. And then the Caesar shows the thumbs down to please the crowd. And then Maximus just throws his weapon away and refuses to kill the guy. And, you know, like that could be the moment where the crowd turns against Maximus because like, fuck you, like we wanted you to kill the guy. But then they start cheering, Maximus the merciful. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, this, this whole thing kind of reminded me of that, that at this point, Coach Greg can just do no wrong. Like, Maximus could do no wrong at that point. It's like, if Coach Greg started killing puppies next week or something, but he apologized <laughs> after that later on, like, Coach Greg has integrity because he apologized. Like, he's just untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the other thing I just kind of wanted to hear your opinion on. Like, I'm just fascinated with how Greg managed to develop this incredibly loyal following for himself. Like, I don't even want to call it a cult-like following because I don't want to frame it as a negative necessarily, but I've never seen it with massive channels like him. Like most channels that have a shit ton of followers, over time, it's diluted. You know, like Vshred, like he has over a million subscribers, like, if you make a video ripping into Vshred... No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. Like, there won't be thousands of comments defending Vshred. When someone makes a call-out video or any kind of video ripping into Greg, by far, the majority of the comments are there defending Greg. And the like-to-dislike ratio on those videos that are ripping into Greg is horrible. And I've seen that before with channels and personalities up to a certain size. So I have no doubt, Jeff, that if I made a video tomorrow calling you out and saying all kinds of horrible things about you, there would be a lot of people calling me out and defending you. But you have 20,000 subs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, and like you said, your subscribers are amazing, but it's easier to have amazing subscribers when... When you're small, yeah. Yeah, when you're smaller. So, I mean, you know, props to Greg. I don't think I've seen that level of commitment and loyalty in someone's following when they are that massive. So 
I'm just curious, what do you think is his secret? Like, how do you think he did it? Well, first of all, he's very charismatic. Um, and that shows in his apology. And I'm not saying his apology wasn't genuine. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot of energy. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's, I don't, I don't want to call him like, a politician or anything but you know he's certainly smart with how he responds to things and how he um manages his community and you know i i i, I don't want to throw the, around the word cult even though it certainly shows a lot of signs of that um because you know there's a lot of people sort of in the middle and i think this past few days shows that there's a lot of people who aren't just blind cult members Certainly, there are a lot of people who, you know, who are and who were like, you don't have any proof it was Greg who struck your channel. I'm like, really? It shows copyright strike by Greg Duzette. Like, it's pretty obvious. And so there are, you know, completely blind cultish fanboys. Actually, Natural Hypertrophy did a video recently, the YouTube channel. Um, he did a video on, like, fanboyism is a mental illness. And, you know, that's that's like, that's a big claim. But seeing it in action, just these people who they cannot see reality because they're so enamored with this individual. And, you know, to a lot of people, Greg can do no wrong or Athlean can do no wrong. And, you know, these bigger channels, I think it's hard to say how much is intentional on their part, but certainly, you know, they know what they're doing. And they, they know sort of the kind of community that they're building and they see themselves being worshipped and it sort of drives their own ego. Um, and, you know, they say, leave, leave your ego at the door. Well, I find that kind of stuff to be absolutely ironic. And, you know, I, I highly encourage everyone to check, you know, the natural hypertrophy video um, because it's just there's there's so much evidence for it. But there's also a lot of hope, you know, which I think, you know, I've never seen the community respond this way against a big YouTuber, even the fake weights thing with, with Jeff Cavalier, like there wasn't really that much of a community pushback. And part of it was because, you know, Athlean deleted a shitload of comments from his videos and still does, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I haven't really seen this kind of like massive uprising. And I think part of it was that it was such a clearly wrong thing to do, you know, like the, the context of the strike and then just... You know, it's just such a David and Goliath moment um, that I think, you know, it, it would take like a really high degree of fanboyism to really be on on Goliath's side <laughs> in in this event. So, you know, I hope I hope this shows like big channels. If you do something really messed up, like people aren't stupid. People will know, you know, what's actually up. Yeah, and the, the thing is, so my, my cynicism for why I think that he only apologized publicly because he could see that the uprise against him is kind of escalating is because, and I think you even mentioned this in your video where you were explaining the whole situation, that there was this girl who, I think yeah. she made like a, a, a vegan version of one of Greg's recipes and she made a video about it and she had this small YouTube channel and then Greg suspected that she got that recipe from this fake book which was uploaded to the web that so that he can catch people that are trying to pirate his book. And then yeah, he just yeah. went on and destroyed this girl and brought a whole bunch of haters onto her YouTube channel. And this girl had this small YouTube channel and 
she did nothing to harm yeah. Greg. Like it wasn't even a critique video. She just made one of his recipes and just the sheer aggression and like the recklessness behind the whole thing. I would say that's even more messed up Yeah. because like in your case, I'm not saying that what he was doing to you is acceptable, but at least I can see the perspective that like, okay, this guy is critiquing my work. He's not saying particularly nice things about the way that I set things up. Okay, fuck him. I'm just going to destroy him. That's their policy. Yeah. <laughs> but this girl like didn't even critique his work. And the thing is, that girl never received a public apology because the whole thing just never got that much traction. Yeah. So... Like, honestly, man, like Greg at this point reminds me of Facebook or Google. It's like we are massive and powerful. Like we don't need nuance. Like we don't need like real people like here actually considering that maybe we got something wrong, look into things in more depth. Like, no, we have this algorithm. You go against us in any way, like you overstep your boundaries, you're going to get destroyed. Like that's how it looks like, honestly. Yeah, he's... He he's a bully. He's a bully. Um, you know, in, in the purest sense of the word, he he is. He is a bully. You know, you see the comments that he leaves, um, and he's he. If a channel is bigger than them, you know, he'll either suck up or like he'll call them out. But if someone is smaller than him and he doesn't think there will be like repercussions, he he'll just he'll bully them. You know, they said they told me they sent me an email saying their policy is if they see any IP or if even if they said if there are lies that were told, their policy is to strike the video, which is ridiculous because any interpreted lies on their part were actually truths in reality. So when I said I didn't receive the book, that is true. That is 100% true. Now, I'm not saying it's 100% their fault. You know, apparently my card was flagged. And then they asked for my passport info, which I did not send because I had already made the review. Um, so I'm not saying it's like 100% their fault at all. But it's also true that they never sent the book. And it's also true that they still have 199 US dollars of mine, which is fine because I never asked for a refund because, you know, I just called it even. Um, it was also a mistake on my part to assume that they sent the newsletter to 100% of people. Um, they sent it to just like a few thousand, but you know, they said they, they don't have a capacity to have that level of coaching yet. But then five days later, they make a YouTube video about it, which has far more reach to the million subscribers Did they scale up so quickly in five days. That doesn't make any sense at all. And so, you know, if you assume that a newsletter goes to all the subscribers, I don't think that's really grounds for striking a video. Um, it certainly has nothing to do with copyright. And one guy was like, this is defamation. Well, buddy, you need to go look up defamation and look how hard it is to actually, you know, sue for defamation. None of this was defamation. Speaking your opinion on something in this context is by no means defamation. Um, you know, saying like, this price is too high, not defamation. Making some sick memes is not defamation. It's awesome. And so, you know, the lies that they said I told were not lies at all. And I think this is not the first time they've done this. There's a bunch of times this has happened where, you know, it's just that no one found out that like the video got struck. And the small creator was like, well, I can't really, you know, contest this in court or pay legal fees. And so they were just like, well, I guess I'll just take the strike on my channel, that kind of thing. You know, I, I would, I would say for sure that this has happened before because they said like, this is our policy. And I've, I've actually heard of other channels having this happen, you know, at, at a minimum, you know, he'll leave a very nasty comment. And so, you know, this is, you know, if you, if you build your audience through bullying other people and through drama, you're going to build an audience that has a lot of nasty, vicious people. And you know, I've, I've seen it before where like Greg called someone out then you go to that person's page and often it's a smaller YouTuber 
And it's just like the dislike ratio is crazy. And, you know, a lot of mean comments and like death threats and like, you're an idiot or whatever. It's just at this point, it's just like, he's not, I mean, is he inciting them to do this? Not really, but like, it's the community and sort of the overall atmosphere of the channel is it's just really bad. I, I don't even watch his videos anymore um, for the most part, you know, unless it's something that uh, is like actually interesting, but it's not like I'm going to learn something from the channel. Like, what am I going to low calorie density food, calories in, calories out, train harder than last time. That's about it. So like there's there's not really much to be garnered there um, past a very beginner level. So like I don't even really bother anymore. Yeah. So um, once again couple of bullet points <laughs> you address some things that i want to respond to so the first thing is the whole fanboyness or being a fanboy is a, a mental illness it's well i wouldn't say it's a mental illness but i will say that it's fucking annoying and <laughs> the thing is that it exists in all spheres of the fitness industry or any industry i guess so it's not just the guys like greg Doucette who have those types of followers it exists in the evidence-based fitness sphere just as much as on the platforms of Greg Doucette or Thomas DeLauer and all of these folks. So yeah. Mike Isretel, for instance, who I had on the podcast a bunch of times. I like him a lot, respect him a lot. So this is like what I'm about to say has no negative connotations to him. But some of his followers are some of the worst, like, non-critically thinking fanboys ever. <laughs> so when I made some videos kind of outlining my thoughts on why I don't quite agree with the ways in which they program at Renaissance periodization, so I don't do the whole set escalation going from MEV to MRV, what my theoretical and practical problems with that is, whatever. I outlined it in long form content, explained all my rationale. And, you know, some comments were like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Some comments were like, no, I disagree with you. And these are my reasons. But some of those comments were just like, pure regurgitation yeah. it's like yeah. this person just listened to a couple of mike israel podcasts and yeah. with zero critical thinking just came onto my channel and burped every single word back <laughs> into my face through the screen and i'm like like these people think of themselves as evidence-based thinkers it's like no you're just a fanboy so that's one thing that I wanted to address. The other thing, um, going back to the whole Greg Doucette saga. So in the video where you were explaining the whole situation, Jeff Nippard left a comment on that video. And I think he put it perfectly that if anybody has no right <laughs> to be super sensitive about <laughs> bullying or, or anything like this that goes against him on YouTube, it's freaking Greg yeah. who built at least... 50% of his entire online existence and fame and popularity and business on tearing others down. Now, there are some other great things that he did, no doubt about that. So I don't want to take that away from him. So just for some context, I actually used to be a Greg Doucette fan. I guess you could say that, you know? Yeah, no, me too. When I first came across him, 
I saw this guy who had this odd combination of really over-the-top kind of style and way of communication, a lot of yelling and goofiness, but also a lot of really, really solid information. Like there was actually true wisdom in his videos. And not just like the basic stuff, like, yeah, fasted cardio doesn't burn more fat than fat cardio. It was things that I like to talk about myself, you know, how to stay leaner in a more sustainable way, how to use food volumetrics in a smart manner during dieting. I don't know, what's a reasonable body fat percentage for most people to maintain? Like a lot of things that he talked about, and I just saw someone who is talking about the same things that I'm passionate about myself, and he's just communicating all of that in a more entertaining way. And I just to illustrate how much I liked him, when... He had that debate on Omar Isaf's channel with Mike Isratel. I was actually pissed at Mike at the time <laughs> because he went so hard on him and then he just kind of acted like a jerk. And I didn't see what the need for that was. It's like, really, like you have to act like that with Greg just because in one video of his, you said that you train like a pussy. Like, come on, it's really not that big of a deal. So I was a big Greg Doucette fan. Um, at some point, I stopped watching his videos simply because the um, screaming just became like non-tolerable to me. And that's just my own personal taste. You know, I'm a, I'm a noise-sensitive person. I don't like rapidly barking dogs. I don't like honking cars. I don't <laughs> like someone screaming at me. So it was just one of those unfortunate things that it's like, well, I really used to like your videos and now I sort of cannot watch them because it's just, I just cannot tolerate it anymore. But you know, that's whatever. That's just down to my own personal taste. But um, like I said, he just started losing the plot at a certain point. Like he didn't seem to notice the difference at one point between, okay, I'm going to sort of tear into this person so that I can share some good message versus just like bullying someone yeah. and tearing yeah. someone down just for the sake of tearing them down. And of course, like, I'm sure that he has his own, like, justifications about, like, why all of that thing is moral and that's the right thing to do, whatever. But the point is, you built a big chunk of your following based on all of that. So if someone should be a little bit less sensitive about others kind of tearing into you and even bullying you and potentially even you suspect some misrepresentation... Like, man, you've given out a lot of punches and you should receive punches as well with a little bit more pride. So I'm, I was also definitely disillusioned with Greg for like about this time last year. My, my initial video on him was quite negative, but then like, you know, he, he grew on me like his his style of content creation definitely grew on me. Um, and, you know, I even made a video like Greg Doucette, what I got wrong, which you know, now is I've gone the other way again, which is like is outdated. So, you know, initially I was sort of put off by by his content. Um, this was like after the, the Stephanie Buttermore thing where, you know, he he was really I mean, that's just no way to treat people. Um, and, you know, and then but then, you know, after a few months of like transiently watching his content, you know, I, I actually made a video like Greg Duzette, what I got wrong. And um, there was another few videos where like, you know, he straw manned, uh team 3d alpha i think they're called yeah he's called and you know looking back like you know that's a video that i need to sort of maybe not take down i don't like taking down videos if they were like what i genuinely thought at the time 
but you know i need to you know give that a second look just because you know i was biased because i was you know afflicted with a little bit of fanboyism that kind of thing and you know so he 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 usually i'm a, a very good judge of character and if you know i got it wrong there you know you can see why so many other people hundreds of thousands if not you know a million people you know might have also gotten it wrong um like i should have gone with my first instinct but you know after watching his videos and like sort of being drawn in you know by the by the positive message and the energy etc you know you don't really see how things really are until you know until you interact with them basically or until a situation like this happens um so yeah just just wanted to let you know i was also sort of this time last year especially around around this time like i was certainly you know when i say like oh i was a greg Doucette fan like that's not just something i said like it was it was true at at, at one point yeah and um it, this sort of comes back to what we talked about in the beginning that's for the screaming, for the netty or not type videos, for the call outs, the drama. I don't love that myself. I think it's kind of a cheap way of generating views, but I don't judge him for that that much alone because Greg is someone who understood the rules of YouTube, what generates views, and he decided to play the game. Like he plays the game according to the rules. Like he looked at the analytics, <laughs> saw what types of videos are doing well, and he just decided to make more of those videos. Like, yeah. go back and look at his videos from early 2019 and then from 2018. Like, his videos are very similar to, like, yours or mine. <laughs> like, Yeah, just talking. Yeah, he, he's just sitting there calmly outlining sound principles and concepts. And he was getting shit for views. And then... You know, eventually he started screaming a little bit more. Initially, it was just kind of like intermittent bursts of screaming. It seemed like kind of a genuine thing that just comes from his personality. And he started seeing that, oh, like the more I scream, the more views I get. Like, okay, I did this Netty or not video. I called out Stephanie Buttermore. I'm getting a lot of views. The more of these I do, the more subscribers I get, the more money I can make. So, you know, he's yeah. basically just playing the game. Now... I do have some ethical kind of moral hangups about the way he's doing things and the types of videos that he's making. But I would also say that the fact that he was getting shit for views back when he was like, quote, normal, and now he blew up doing all of that says just as much about the viewers as it does about him. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because if he saw that those calm, reasonable videos where he's just sharing good information was getting millions of views, then he would be doing more of that. But that's just not what he saw. So, I mean, I think we have to call the viewers and the people watching his stuff out just as much as him, because what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like you were giving him shit for views when he was just yeah, sharing yeah. good information. And now that he's like ripping into people, now you make him blow up. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, for sure. Like um, it's almost like a train wreck at this point. You know, you, you, you can't look away. And, you know, a lot of people said they were unsubscribing this past few days. But like I'm sure a lot of people will stay subbed just to like see which way he goes like is he going to keep going down this way and just like absolutely wreck the entire industry as well as himself um or is he actually going to maybe get better and, and become calmer and, and you know calmer than last time etc and um you know every content creator sees what does well like we all do like you you said you saw it i see it you know you look at my most popular videos 
and you know probably 80 or 90 percent of them are about people like a, it's a critique or i don't do natty or nots because that's just honestly a waste of time and not interesting anyway um but they're usually just critiques or rate of fitness youtuber or you know me critiquing a plan or that kind of thing um so the vast majority of my most popular content is that kind of thing so if you go to my page and you look at like popular videos you probably think i'm just like a call out page but in reality about 80, possibly 90% of my content is just informational. You know, I'll, I'll throw in one of those occasionally if it, you know, comes across my path and the bullshit is extra, extra strong. You know, the stench just, it demands a video. Um, and, you know, I notice it does well, but I don't want to make only that content because, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, there's just something that stops me from doing that. And clearly there was nothing that stopped Greg from doing that. Like he he made the choice to do almost entirely that kind of content, you know, like for him, it's it's 80 to 90 percent, you know, drama. It really is. Um, and some of it's just like useless drama. If I do, you know, quote unquote drama, it's actually like you learn something in the process as well. It's, it's entertaining, um, but it's also educational. And then, um, you know, so it's just all content creators have a choice and the choice is driven by the algorithm. And the algorithm is driven by the people. And, you know, if you poll people, you know, if you if you have a poll on your on your YouTube and you're like, what kind of content do you want to see? Like informational, educational, workout videos, call out videos. Almost no one clicks call out. No one's actually going to like select. Oh, I want more call out videos. But then actually, when you see the click through rate and what people are actually clicking on, you understand that they're absolutely liars when it comes to what they actually voted for on the poll. So, you know, the click-through rate doesn't lie and that kind of content, it just does better. And some channels choose to just go down that road. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to discuss with you is um, the whole super high prices of Greg Doucette topic because that is something that I sort of have ambivalent feelings about the backlash against that because, like, on the one hand, like, why would anybody get worked up about the prices of someone else? Like, that's the beauty of a free market. Like, for example, sometimes I walk past the store with my girlfriend and she will just make a comment like, oh my God, that purse or that bag, it would be so great to buy it, but it costs like 3,000 euros. And I just look at it, I'm like, really? 3,000 euros? Like, holy shit, like, who would buy that? But that's about the extent of my thought process and emotions about the whole topic. Like, I don't get angry about it. I'm not thinking about it later that day that like, oh my God, these greedy people, how can they charge 3000 for a bag? Like, there are much cheaper bags that are just as good. Like, and that's mainly because I don't care about bags. Like, I don't give a shit about how much someone else is willing to pay for something that I don't want. Now... <laughs> When I was looking for gym equipment, when I was looking to put together my little home setup, when the curfews and the lockdowns hit and gyms were closed, and I saw that, okay, there is this squat rack for 500 bucks, there is this other one for 2000 bucks. well, it seems like the one for 500 is pretty much the same as the one for 2000 cool, lucky me, I'm gonna go for the 500 one. And I think pretty much the same thought process should apply for looking for a coach. You know, like if you see someone like, okay, this person seems just as qualified as that person and is charging like a tenth of the price. Cool. I'm going to go for that one. Now, the people that I see most often getting worked up about the super high prices of Greg are other fitness professionals and coaches. Yeah. And I think for the most part, that is simply 
out of their own personal frustration. Because in reality, they would love to do that themselves, right, yeah, but yeah, they just yeah. can't. <laughs> in fact, they probably have to hustle quite a bit to charge a tenth of the price. Like, And I can sympathize with that frustration and I understand that frustration because, you know, I'm sure you've had this experience. You have an ebook. I used to have a course about autoregulatory eating. Uh, it's not for sale at the moment. I'm actually redoing the whole thing, but it was out there and it was a shit ton of work that went into it. Yeah. And I really believe that at the time, at least, it was the best resource out there about the whole concept of getting lean and building muscle without tracking calories. And objectively, it was worth, you know, hundreds in terms of the actual value that I provided with that product. But, you know, I looked at it as a minimum viable product and I put it out there for 20 bucks, which is, it was laughably low. And I still ended up getting some refund requests. Not a lot, very few actually, but I still ended up getting some refund requests. It's like, hey, so this was like not fulfilling my hopes and I would like a full refund. <laughs> and I was like yeah. almost personally insulted. Like it really hurt, honestly. Like really, motherfucker, like I gave you a resource, which if you were to hire a coach or a nutritionist, like you would have to spend hundreds, if not thousands, to get all the knowledge that I provided you with this product. And you're asking for a, quote, full refund for all your fucking 20 bucks. Like, you know, go fuck yourself. Now I did, of course, <laughs> end up giving them the refund. But it was really frustrating. And on the other hand, seeing someone charging like 10 times as much for something, which I'm pretty sure is not providing 10 <laughs> times the value. Yeah. It's frustrating. And, you know, the same thing could be said about coaching. So, you know, I'm sure you've had this experience as well that, okay, someone signs up, it seems like the client could be a good fit. It seems like you could actually help the person reach their goals. And then you're outlining your prices. And it's whatever, 100 a month, 200 a month, nothing crazy. And then the person is like, oh, you know, uh, to be honest, it's a little bit steeper than I thought. I thought it was going to be more like <laughs> yeah. 20 bucks a month. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you've had experiences like that. I think most coaches <laughs> had experiences like that. So, yeah. you know, there is that. And then there is this guy who is charging 10 to 20 times what you're charging and is apparently somehow able to make that work of course you have that reaction of like like what the hell is wrong with the world like what's wrong with people what's wrong with me like how is this fair so like on a personal level i can understand this frustration but at the same time i kind of have to call bullshit on these videos and critiques of like like what a greedy person how can he charge that much because honestly i think most of them don't get angry because they think Greg is greedy. Like their anger and frustration comes from a sense and feeling of unfairness towards themselves. So like that's my perspective on it. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, actually, you know, I don't mind him charging high prices. Actually, I did a video. I, I don't remember the exact date. It was on, it was uh, Nick Trigelli criticizing Greg's prices. And, you know, I, I came to the conclusion like it's him. It's his time. He can charge whatever he wants. And in general, I'm very free market. So he can charge whatever he wants, even for these custom plants that are not made by him, are just outsourced. But again, I'm free to call him out on the fact that it is much, much higher than average. And it is a very bad value for the money. And in fact, you know, it's it's not bad for business because, you know, 
him charging a thousand dollars for some, you know, who knows where person writing it. And then I, I come and tell people my prices there and they're like, oh yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, that's completely fine. Plus I have enough demand now anyway, that if someone is like, is there a student discount? Is there an elderly discount? Like, can I pay you in five installments? I'm just like, yeah, no, that's no. If anything, like those prices are very fair and you know, there are eight people behind you in line. So sorry, like let the other people, <laughs> let the other people in my inbox through. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I don't really encounter the, the like your prices are too high kind of thing. Um, probably because they're actually too low. Um, and also because I don't need to like stimulate demand in any kind of way. Like I don't have to over market things or, or market at all. Like honestly, when I mentioned my coaching or, or plans, I like, I brace for impact in my inbox. I'm just like, um, shit, I mentioned my coaching too much. There's going to be a bunch of people contacting me. I'm already busy making videos, editing videos, filming in the gym, like going to the gym, working out, writing on Quora, writing a second book, Instagram, like there's just responding to all comments, like it's just too much. And so, you know, I, I actually don't mention my coaching a lot of the times. Sometimes, yeah, but you know, it just becomes overwhelming if I mention it too much. And now I'm kind of mentioning it too much right now. But for me, like if, if his email about the coaching, if it had the prices and nothing else, I would never have made a video because it was the marketing language that I, I really had an issue with. Um, and that was the majority of the video that I was, you know, when the, the big thing that I was really focusing on. It was on this hyper aggressive, literally V shred <laughs> marketing. And, you know, to their credit, they have actually changed the page that they, uh, that the links go to. So the custom training plan, diet plan, et cetera, combined plan, they've actually changed the marketing language. They've changed the, you know, they've sort of softened it, et cetera. Um, and it's nice to see them change. Um, but if they change back, I'm happy to make another video calling them out on it um, or anyone else. Like if you, if you are a piece of shit in the, in the fitness industry, I'm coming for you and I'm not afraid. You can copyright strike me, see how that turns out. Um, so I, I think this whole situation, I see it as an absolute win. Um, and it's, you know, I'm going to be polite about things. Um, and I do regret, you know, the somewhat angry tone of the video. Um, but you know, I don't regret making it as a whole. And, you know, it's not just the prices, it's this kind of predatory marketing because it really is predatory like telling people they're going to fail if they don't get your plan that's really fucked up when people are like there's nothing unique in your book i'm like yeah there's nothing unique in my book you know it's it's what i've learned through five six seven years of reading and lifting and you could find everything else out it's just going to take you a few years of sifting through the bullshit to find the good stuff that i put in the book so you know for me it's not just about the price. It's about, you know, conducting yourself with dignity, respecting your fans, and just not being a piece of garbage who exploits the people who support them, it, which is not just about the price. It's about how you do it as well. And the only way that they are artificially increasing that demand to support that price point, it's not just because he is popular. It's because of this kind of hyper aggressive marketing. And that is what I'm against. You know, he, he can charge whatever he wants. But again, you know, if it's way out of line, you know, I'm happy to uh, put some stick about. Yeah. And you see that that's the other thing. So the whole gimmicky marketing thing is once again, something that I kind of have uh, ambivalent feelings about because none of us like seeing aggressive marketing. It's annoying for everybody to see it when someone else is doing it. And I, I think a lot of people who do do it, they don't enjoy doing it themselves. So in an ideal world, 
what would happen is that people have certain needs and demands, and then there is supply. And if you're someone who is providing the service that people need, then they just find you organically and they come and buy. Now, in reality, unfortunately, if you don't let people know in some way, shape or form that you have that supply for them, then things don't get sold. And then again, in an ideal world, the way you would let people know that you have that product is just by stating the facts like, hey, I have this product. If you need it, buy it. And then people come and buy. In reality, unfortunately, you will have to have some sort of compelling messaging and you will have to use some sort of marketing strategy to make people compelled to buy. And marketing is always, if we're really being honest, is always a little bit of kind of tiptoeing this line of 100% honest messaging, stating what the product is, nothing more, nothing less. And, you know, like slightly exaggerating certain things, um, inducing a feeling of scarcity, emphasizing the need, like why you really need this product. And if we are being hypercritical, even in the most honest marketing message, we could find something that's kind of bullshitty, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And again, I'm not going to name names here, and I don't need to because I could literally name every single person who sells anything, <laughs> probably including myself. But for example, a research review, it's amazingly high quality. It's fantastic value. But, you know, I'm reading the sales page and it's like, well, you know that keeping up with the latest research is very important. If you don't do it, then you could be at risk of falling behind in your training. And I'm like, I'm reading that and I go, no, I won't fucking fall behind in my training. <laughs> like, like, get the fuck out. Come on. Like, how to train, how to build muscle. Like, it comes down to a few simple principles that you need to understand and apply. They have been laid out for like a century now. Like, 90% of these studies that are being reviewed are like, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's potentially an interesting finding, but, you know, in terms of practical application, it's, it's not going to be a game changer. So whatever, but just keep an eye on it for the future. Like, really, I'm going to fall behind in my training if I don't buy this. But, you know, I don't have an issue with them marketing in that way because you fucking have to sell. You cannot just put it out there like, yeah, there is this research review. We look at some studies. It's It's interesting, but, I mean, I guess you don't really need it. It won't be a game changer, but... I mean, I guess if you want it, you can buy and subscribe. That's pretty much what I do. It's like, you can buy my book, it might help, but like, you don't have to or anything. Like, don't feel pressured to buy my shit. If you like the channel, support the channel. Like, but you know, it's up to you, dude. <laughs> That's basically what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Jeff, I would say that unfortunately, the fact that you're able to make things work that way makes you the exception to the rule. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I know people like you, you know, they don't do like they hardly do any marketing and things just grow for them organically. But for most people, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I really fucking wish it did because I really dislike, you know, putting in uh, an ad spot in the middle of my podcast that lets people know about the fact that I do online coaching. I really dislike it. Anytime I'm editing my podcast episodes, I'm like procrastinating over it. I'm like trying to convince myself about like why I probably shouldn't, shouldn't put it in here for now. But here is what happens when I don't do it. I started doing online coaching in like late 2017 or so. The extent of my marketing strategy was that I had the links for how people could reach me in my video descriptions. What that resulted in is that 
in late 2019, I still got DMs from people and messages. Are you a coach? <laughs> yeah, asking me if I do online coaching. <laughs> so yeah, no. I was really not marketing aggressively, so much so that people didn't even know that I have a service. Yeah. So marketing, unfortunately, is just something that has to be there. And up until some kind of tasteful point, the more aggressively you do it, the better it will work. So do I have a massive issue with them stating things in their sales page that like, hey, like if you don't buy this product, then, you know, you could never lose the fat and keep it off. I don't know. I mean, I, I would have to see it like maybe they really overstepped the line. But, you know, like, unfortunately, you, you just have to market and market cleverly. Otherwise, things just, you know, they just don't get sold. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's, there are shades of gray, you know, it's, it's not as simple as like good and bad. Um, it's just like a video that I personally decided to make, um, because I felt that you know, just according to my own situation, that was over the top. And again, that might be because I'm way on the, like, I'm not anti-marketing as a whole, but yeah, if you're super aggressive with things, you know, and, and part of that is again, because I'm, I'm way on the other end where like, I don't you know, go through that at all, really, like I might mention it occasionally. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's not like I'm completely against marketing. But, you know, considering the backlash, I think, uh, you know, enough people were on my side where they understood my point of view, and they agreed with the points that I made. And, the, you know, they, they agreed that the marketing was was, you know, a little bit excessive. And the fact that they changed it, you know, also is is a pretty decent evidence that it was a little bit excessive, um, which I think is a good thing. Like there needs to be a balance. You can't just have like products with no labels and you can't, you know, even use a, a freaking adjective to describe anything. Um, but if you're way on the other side of like false claims and like insinuating you're never going to get results otherwise and like just being super pushy or like false transformations, I'm not saying they did false transformations, but like I've seen false transformations. You've probably seen false transformations on other pages. Like there's just a lot of BS in the industry. And so you know, it has to be somewhere in the middle. And, you know, I think it's important to be able to exercise your freedom of speech as an individual to, you know, criticize people that you think are over the line. Um, and where that line is, is going to be different for every single person. But I think the reaction to the video, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with what I said, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, um, I think I think if if every YouTuber was like you and uh, everybody, oh, it'd be it'd be super boring. <laughs> no, I mean maybe 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 for some people, but those people probably don't deserve to get a fit body anyway. Like it's uh, you know, zing. Uh, I mean, honestly, like you like your types of videos are the ones that I I like. Like I'm like from like from now on, if I'm looking for something to like wind down while I'm like playing FIFA on my PlayStation or something, I'm going to put on one of your videos because nice. like it's, it's informative, like you're calm enough, like you're not screaming a lot, but it's also not boring. Like that's the yeah. kind of stuff I like, like you know, Dave McConey, a uh, friend of mine, like we did a lot of podcasts together, Brains and Gains is his YouTube channel. Like he doesn't do a lot of videos, but I just like listening to just smart, intelligent people laying things out in, in, in an interesting way and just sharing their views. Like, that's the kind of stuff I like. And, you know, if, if I was a client looking for people, like, I would be looking for people like that, like you, like myself, of course. Um, so, but unfortunately, that's just, uh, 
that's just not what draws the most amount of people in. But uh... yeah, let me, I have to check my schedule. I think let me check my timeline. I think when I hit 50k is when I sell out, and then when I hit 100k, <laughs> that's when I start to scream. And then I do nattier knots from 200 to 500k, and then from 500 to 1,000, I just start calling everyone out, and um, that's my path to a million. Yeah, I have it all mapped out. Yeah, yeah, and you see, like, okay, so we're going to wrap up in a second, but this is the last thing I will say is the sad thing for me to see always when someone grows and quote-unquote makes it is when their tone starts changing. So the reason, for example, why the screaming from Greg annoys me, like maybe if I ran the analytics, he's not even statistically screaming more than he used to. It's just that initially the screams seemed like a genuine thing that just came from his personality now it just has this fake element to it it's very artificial it just very much seems like something that he just does because that's what he knows or thinks is expected of him and you know, the same thing could be said about, like, I used to be, I wouldn't say a fan, but I did like the work of Kino Buddy, for example. Was he kind of gimmicky? Always, yes. Yeah. Was he overstating <laughs> certain things, like the magic of intermittent fasting? Yes. But, you know, he was documenting his own journey, and while it was clear that he was running a business, it was still as if this is a guy who is genuinely passionate about fitness, getting lean, getting stronger, and all of these things. Whereas now, when I see a Kino Body video, it's fake tone. It's like, are you looking for that sexy, chiseled body? <laughs> that's a good That's a good Kino Body impression. <laughs> yeah, so it's just fake tone, no real personality behind the whole thing anymore. Yeah. It's just purely business. And I can understand why he's doing that from a personal standpoint, but I still don't like it. This is no longer a guy who is passionate about fitness. This is a core salesman. You know, same thing with you, Jeff. Like if you hit 50K or 100K and I would see that your tone changed all of a sudden, so it's no longer like, okay, guys, so in this video, I'm going to talk about should you train to failure or not? But it's like, are you tired of not getting the results that you want? Maybe training too hard is the reason, you know? So so it would be like, fuck, this is not the Jeff that I used to like. Like, yeah, this is no yeah. longer a real person talking to me. This is just pure businessmanship. I'm going to do a video on, like, why fitness influencers sell out because there's so many examples. And I'll have to be careful when I do that one, I think. Um, but, you know, it's just it happens so often. And the fact that I get, I've gotten dozens of, Maybe not hundreds, but at least dozens upon dozens of messages, which are like, please don't sell out. They're like preemptively and and proactively telling me not to sell out before I've shown like any indications of doing anything at all, you know, on my on my videos. I'm like as a person at all. And they're just like I can tell they're just like absolutely terrified of losing a good source or like losing just a person that they, they trust in the industry. And I've heard that so many times, like, hey, man, like, I hope you don't sell out or like, don't go that way when you reach so and so many number of subs. And, you know, the fact that people have that in their mind, it just shows like they've been burned. You know, they, they've they've had that happen to them exactly as you said, like someone w- was, you know, legit and honest and, you know, natural sounding when they were smaller. And then like, you know, now their bio is full of affiliate links and like product placement. And it seems like it's not even product placement in the video, but the video is like placed around the product, that kind of thing. And yeah, I, I see it all the time. And, you know, that, I don't think that's going to happen with me. 
I know myself pretty well and you know I, I already have more than enough money so it's not like that's really a driving force and you know I just want to make the kind of content that I want to make and then also helps people and apart from that like apart from also calling out the bullshit like there, I don't really see any kind of need to make any other content uh, and certainly no need to go down the road that a lot of people have gone yeah well said man all right sir so I kept you up for like well, it, the recording says an hour and a half. In reality, it was like another half an hour while we got around the recording <laughs> issues. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was great talking to you. I just really enjoyed the conversation. It was a bit uh, unorthodox for this channel. Like we were not talking about like training or dieting and whatever. But uh, I hope um, people had a good time listening to it while they were walking or cooking or cleaning up, whatever. So, yeah, Jeff, uh, I want to thank you for being on, um, sharing kind of the whole story behind or, well, just talking about this whole recent drama, uh, uh, shed some extra light on the manner. So, um, yeah, just let people know, please, uh, where they can find you, all your work, anything that you would like to mention. Cool. Yeah, my uh, my channel is Jeffrey Verity Schofield, and then Instagram is... Actually, I should probably check what my Instagram is. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I should know this. It's the same thing. Yes, it also has my middle name. I should have known that before, <laughs> before beforehand. No, uh, no. And then maybe maybe you could just put it in like the show the show notes. And then Quora is also yeah Jeffrey Verity Schofield. And that website is veritifit.com, which basically only has my book and nothing else. But that's about all it needs. Perfect. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thank you for having me.